What's up, everyone? Welcome to Making the Shift. Where we listen to autistic voices, explore new therapy ideas, and share neurodiversity-affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids. Because we're not here to try and, quote, fix kids. We are here to love them, embrace them, and celebrate them for who they are. I'm Jesse Ginsberg, sensory integration trained SLP, founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in Los Angeles, and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs. And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social-Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Welcome to episode eight of Making the Shift. We are so excited today because today we are welcoming a special guest, Chloe Estelle. Chloe is an autistic coach and consultant through an organization she co-founded called Autism, and they work with teens, young adults, adults, families, and gosh, you guys just do so many incredible things over there. Yeah. Um, So I'm actually autistic and most of the services I created was because I was looking for them. So I like guinea pigged all the services because I wanted them. And now um, I work there and I get to implement them. And so I think they work because they work for me. So I'm hoping they do the same for other people. And so far I've gotten good feedback. (laughs) That's so awesome. Um, that it's just that idea of you didn't get what you needed growing up and now you're able to provide that for other people. How cool. I think that's the best. Yeah. I mean, lived experiences, right. And then from there moving forward and really being able to, you know, help on a, on a large scale is wonderful. I just absolutely love that. Yeah. So even before diving into our topic, which we chose the topic of validation, but honestly, Chloe, such a wealth of knowledge. We could talk about anything under the <laughs> sun, but we know this is such a great and important topic. But before we dive into that, I'd even love if you could share a little bit about growing up. You know, you and your sister both diagnosed autistic twin sister. Yeah. What was that like growing up? Um, so I wasn't diagnosed um, until I was 16. So we didn't know, but we did a lot of things that um, were right and a lot of things that were wrong. But um, so before like we realized the neurotype stuff was happening, um, my twin sister Lillian got really, really sick in elementary school. Uh, There was she we now know she has Crohn's and colitis and um all these things in her irritable bowel syndrome you know all that going on and we didn't know that when she was younger so she would get these horrible stomach aches and like go through like such throwing up and you know all those all the time she couldn't hold food down to the 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 point we did think she was she was dying and it was like such a odd experience as a kid to like be put in that world thinking about that and so I was like trying to get through school so I had to do a lot of work to like reframe from that to like 
the neurodivergent stuff. So I was like, this isn't important because that was going on. Um, and so I have unlocked what a lot of trauma memories uh, about actually what was happening at school that I didn't remember for a long time in about that age. And so I think there was a lot of miscommunication and, and there is a lot of gaslighting that was happening because I was using incorrect language, people were telling me. And um, I would pretty much go home and teach myself material. <laughs> and it got to a point of like in middle school, I couldn't do it anymore. And my grades like went from A's to like F's like overnight. And I, that was when we like caught on to that something was different. And um, I got misdiagnosed with ADD and OCD at that point. And then eventually at 16, I figured out it was, it was autism. <laughs> And that just made such a world of difference. So as I dove into like what that actually was and I met people like Danny Rady and Adam Walsh and Lula Foster and all these people in my life that like explained it to me, it like just made everything so much easier. I, I didn't even realize how constantly I was in pain and sensory overload and like stuff like that um, and pushing through burnout um, cause it was so constant until I wasn't anymore. And then I was like, oh, this is a nice feeling. <laughs> I want to keep that. And so I learned everything I could to stay in that mindset and not go back into those awful feelings and right, so how to reframe it into like positive stuff too. Yeah. And, it, um, we had a conversation on our last episode with Jamie Boyle, who's also autistic. And, and it sounds like once you, um, had found out the context, like oh, I'm autistic, then mm -hmm. it was kind of more of a, okay, now I know what types of accommodations and supports and, and. Well, I think I innately knew some of it, but like the way our society works being like as ableist as it is and not quite understanding because my language is different. I was talked out of it. Like, I remember saying like noise hurt. And then I was told, no, it doesn't hurt. It's just loud. I remember saying I can't write because my hands cramped and they hurt. I would say can't a lot. And they're like, no, no, no. You just have to try harder. You know, whether you say you can or you can't either way, you're right. But like, I literally could not do things <laughs> because I was disabled. And um, they, I'm like, oh, I can do it. And I would, I still to this day catch myself trying to do things I just can't do. I can't do them. Um, and the freedom I realized of saying I can't is a positive thing. It's like, so it feels good now. It used to feel awful. And now I'm like this, it gives me freedom to admit when I can't do something and find a solution that way instead of pushing through and doing things that are super super hard for me to do or even impossible and just feeling awful right yeah. i love that like kind of instead of focusing on what the problem is finding a solution for it but that's a good segue right into the validation thing that our topic is about because it sounds like that was a big part for you which was mm -hmm. no i literally can't do this mm -hmm. but i don't need people on the outside <laughs> you know, invalidating my human experience right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I've heard you, Chloe, talk about is 
how important it how important validation is for a I was going to say child, but a person's emotional well-being, you know, and can you like pinpoint times in your life where you look back and you think if only I had this validation then? Yeah, um, I've recently been thinking about all the after school activities I dropped. Um, it got me thinking of it because I was watching videos because I was taking your course and videos of the kids working with you and how they're giggling the whole time. And I don't remember even like I did do services, but I also just did, you know, uh, sports and art classes and dance classes and stuff. And I don't remember any of the classes ever having even close to the amount of laughter from any of the kids and how it was really focused on, you know, getting things correct um, rather than having a good time and exploring and trying things. And I remember doing ballet as like most little girls do. And I can't point my toes. I know that now I can move my ankles. And I thought that's what pointing was, is like this. But then you also have to do this. And I couldn't. And I would say I'm pointing my toes and the teacher's like, no, you're not. You have to. And they would try to get me to point my toes. And I guess you could fold it, but they would just come back. Right. Cause I can't point them. <laughs> and, um, I remember getting in trouble <laughs> for that kind of stuff. And, um, the, all the sensory stuff, especially with it, people feel like they can touch kids without consent, without asking them. And I am very, very touch sensitive. I now know that. And I would wear a sweater like to the dance class. My mom got me a sweater because she at least understood I didn't like being touched. And but it was still like they would move my arm and move my legs and be like, put it here. And I hated that. And I and so those are the reasons I stopped a lot of activities rather than like the activity wasn't fun. Mm. Um, and I wish like there was like, we just accepted kids are not doing it to do it professionally, first of all, <laughs> they're kids. Um, and then beyond that, just accepting, you know, the differences in kids and accepting their full human beings that should be asked before touch, you know, if they don't want to participate in the pointing toes thing, they can just sit down. That's okay. They'll come back to the next activity. Like those kind of things. I mean, with everyone, let alone an autistic child, who's a little bit more sensitive to those things. I think that's super important is just like understanding that and validating the experiences yeah. of kids so that they are giggling the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thinking about how much validation plays in the idea of getting kids to feel safe and secure, which mm -hmm. is the most important thing. And it sounds like when you're in a class like ballet where the instructor is constantly touching you, you're not feeling safe. Yeah. You know, that wasn't a comfortable feeling for you. So I could see how hard that Yeah, was. and like I was always told, you know, to to understand communication more. Cause I was always at fault. I felt like as the autistic one, like I misheard and I also said things incorrectly. And, you know, I kept being told not all communications verbal. And I'm like a kid who's not saying don't touch me, but stiffens or pulls away. That's communication. Right. And like, that's telling you stop. And that wasn't listened to. So I'm like, 
it was so there was a lot of hypocrisy with that which was confusing for me i was like okay so that's not communicating clearly um but i'm supposed to look to you for visual cues so that was super confusing right absolutely that validation piece that we're talking about too lead once when we validate it also leads to that connection and that value it's like we're valuing others it's kind of like those go hand in hand we we value others by validating them right yeah no and so with that being said you know it's kind of nerdy of me but like earlier today i wanted to find out if the word validation also leads to valuing people i'm like there's got to be a root word there and there is so there's a latin root for the word val v-a-l which and it stands for um wealth uh or strength health and worth so strength health and worth and i was like you know what validating somebody leads to valuing somebody and and then i was starting to think to myself that you know i've met people named val and i was like that's kind of a cool name <laughs> i was like it's got a lot of meaning to this but anyway um sorry to digress back to um yeah those situations with you you know your your childhood and 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 those situations not being validated takes away from from our health and it takes away from our strength and it takes away from our worth and it's like no we need really truly as a society at large to work on validating like hey um i have some sensory needs the lighting's too much or you know in this situation i don't like to be touched or hugged and it's like so advocating and then having someone validate what those needs are absolutely and i think what chris and i were talking about earlier and i've talked to you about this in the past chloe is that when people come to us with something that is wrong all we want to do so often is just like oh well here's five ways you can solve that problem you know and it's like we want to just give them solutions immediately but validating is not providing solutions validating it's just making someone feel you know seen and heard and supported right we had that conversation of when we when we don't validate somebody we tend to do that for our own comfort you know we don't do it for somebody else's reality we're just doing it because we're like well i don't want to validate that person's feelings i want to be comfortable it's like no get out of that way of thinking validate somebody even if it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable at the time because i feel like we should give an example and so for well i i have i feel like there's tons of examples of like toxic positivity that plays into that you know, because all like the whether you say you can or can't, either way, you're right, that sort of thing. Um, I've heard that all the time. To me, that was like such a toxic thing to tell a kid. Like it feels correct and like motivating. But like most kids, when they're in like saying that, they don't want to be motivated. They want validation. And that was like it. Like I remember a lot of the times especially kids don't know everything. They're learning everything the first time for the first time. And I remember all these conversations where like a kid would say, you know, I don't know how to do this or I can't do this or I don't want to do this. And we're very, very frustrated. And a teacher would say something along the lines of like a motivational thing, like just give it a try before you talk to me. Like you don't think they already did that. Right. (laughs) You know? Um, And 
and tears would always be the result of that and I was always confused like why are like you have to teach them the thing (laughs) because they don't know how to do it and it might just be an emotional block happening but to get through an emotional block you have to validate um and just being able to not you know not be able to do something in the moment is just as valid as not being able to ever do it and because I think people forget like our capacity for things change And so a kid might have been able to do it yesterday and then can't do a thing today. And we have to validate the frustration in that. And I feel like when you invalidate it, they get feel like they're called a liar. Um, And that feels awful. I'm feeling like that all the time that people didn't believe me. or thought I was lying when I was just trying to explain I'm having a hard time right now. I think one of the things you said to me before, which really stuck with me was you said, you know, as autistics, we want people to validate that what we're experiencing is real. And I thought that was so powerful. And, you know, we've got a couple of minutes left, but maybe you want to share a little bit more on that. Yeah. um, I, yeah, a lot of what I experienced, I was told over and over was incorrect. Um, and it's, it was really scary <laughs> and really hard and really frustrating when I would say, I'm really exhausted, you know, or in pain after experiencing something that like a restaurant that might've caused a sensory overload and I don't wanna go back there. Um, or, you know, this homework assignment took me three hours. They're like, well, everyone else took 10 minutes. So that can't be true. You know, it was just like dismissive all the time of things I was going through. Uh, I can't do run day today. I'm like, you know, I can't do this today. Um, I'm having trouble tying my shoes, you know? Um, And the dismissiveness of that over and over. Um, So when finally someone said, no, I experienced that too. Or like, no, that's a real thing you are experiencing that was such a game changer for me. And now I seek out people who do that for me because it's, we all assume the someone else's experience is the exact same as ours. Like our, our brains do that. And so like, we could be watching a movie together or experience a moment together. And then we'll talk about it. It's like, whoa, it's almost like you watch a different movie than me because we bring a completely different backstory to it. And so just because someone else's experience is so vastly different doesn't mean it's not real. And we tend to invalidate that, you know, the way they saw uh, the same thing that we saw because it was so different instead of going, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? Like, how did you see that? Cause I saw something different. And then once you do that, you'll start, oh, okay, <laughs> I understand. And that's how we should start telling more stories and talk and asking questions and validating rather than jumping to the conclusion that someone didn't experience what they experienced because it's so vastly different what we all see and experience and feel in like the same moments as each other. Yeah. And I would imagine that getting dismissed over and over again probably breaks trust in two ways one with that person and then two with yourself like being able to trust yourself yeah and what you're experiencing 
Um, yeah, but we just so appreciate you coming on to be able to talk about this and we're going to have to have her back like 5,000 times. I know. I love that. Like just that tail end, it's like, you know, really asking questions rather than just trying to, you know, come up with some answers when, when validating being present, being an active listener, like that's huge, right? Like mm -hmm. just listen, <laughs> be present with me. Like, yeah, I just love all of that stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, Chloe, we loved having you on and we absolutely have to have you back on as a guest. And we should say Chloe was one of the contributors to autism support resources for teams, which is our product for parents, professionals to use to help educate others in neurodiversity affirming practices. And that's on pre-sale being released this summer. So we're so excited to have you as part of that too. And it's just been such a great learning experience, every conversation we have. So thank you so much for Chloe, coming Chloe, before we wrap it up, is there a place where uh, the listeners can hunt you down? Instagram, um, social media, or... Um, anything that you'd like to add there? Yeah, I'm Chloe Estelle in yellow on Instagram. Um, I'm Chloe Estelle on Facebook. Yes, those Perfect. are Perfect, we'll add that in the show notes. And you're on TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I think that's Chloe Estelle in yellow as well. And then the our, my website, artism.com, of course. That's yeah, where you are looking for more information on support for autistic people, young adults, families, check out ourtism.org for sure. All right. Thanks so much, Chloe. And thanks everyone for coming and joining us live. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.